we're looking over Street Fighter history and discussing five mistakes that we hope to see handled properly in Street Fighter VI. Plus, why the hell aren't more Capcom Cup hopefuls running campaigns and marketing themselves to win the popularity poll and snag the final spot in Capcom Cup 2020? And what does that have to do with a picture of college me riding a mechanical bull in Spongebob boxers? All on this week's episode of the Event Hubs Podcast. Alright, welcome back to another episode of the Event Hubs Podcast. I am John Catalyst Gray, and with me as always is John Velociraptor Guerrero. Hello, hello. Thank you for tuning in to the Event Hubs Podcast. Like, comment, subscribe, tell your friends, put it on your put it on your Facebook, on your MySpace. We're trying to grow this puppy. Um, I'm excited to uh, to jump into it this week. We uh, we've been aiming our sights at Street Fighter VI quite a bit. And uh, spoilers, we're going to be considering that today as well. Yeah, we we wanted to look through the history of Street Fighter in particular, the previous games, and and they're sometimes held up on this pedestal of these games were just, you know, flawless and amazing. And it's like, no, they were not. They had plenty (laughs) of problems, too. And we want to learn from those mistakes and really not have those replicated here in Street Fighter Six. We want Street Fighter Six to be a perfect game, John. Like, just perfect. Yes. Clearly nothing could go wrong with it. It's Capcom. They launch games without issue. Out of the um, gate, no no problems whatsoever, and this is how we're going to get it done. <laughs> yes. So, Capcom, please do not repeat these mistakes, and let's start right here uh, with the top thing that we had, and that is a balance of offensive and defensive mechanics. Mm-hmm. I don't think Street Fighter V's V system was ever intended to be balanced between offense and defense, John. I don't think they ever intended it because V triggers are way more powerful than V reversals. Yeah. And from a game design standpoint, I don't see how you would ever see these two things as equal in power. Uh, or that they were even designed to be that way from the, to begin with. Like it just seems like they were not even intentionally made to be like balanced, like equally. It's just V triggers dominate this damn game. Uh, it's really a problem. And we talk about offense dominating this game. One of the things that would help equal that out is actually having a proper defensive mechanic in there. Mm-hmm. You know, I would take it a step even further than that and say that V-triggers are not a proper balance even against the mechanic of blocking. Because Ugh. in so many instances, uh, well, G's V-trigger 1 tends to be one of these the biggest <laughs> biggest sore thumbs when it comes to this topic. But of course, his, his plus frames, and then you have to decide if you're going to try to avoid the command grab. Or in some situations, you have these very ambiguous mix-ups. Um, and, and just the 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 offense and the way that these moves have been designed at least uh, uh, some of them have been very much more it, i can't put words in mouths but what it looks like to me as you're talking about what did the developers have in mind it seemed like they were way too geared towards how do we make this look cool how do we make it be explosive and exciting and fun uh for the person that's doing it <laughs> and and um and there wasn't enough like you said balance and consideration on is this going to be taking too much away from the other side of the coin and therefore minimizing the the, the overall product? Yeah. Just look at how often that V-reversals are even used in a matchup versus how often V-triggers come out. And I think, you know, I mean, V-triggers are harder to get to than a V-reversal. And if you compare the ratio, I mean, what is it like, you know, off the top of my head, you know, pulling a number out of, out of thin air, 
80, 90%, you know, uh, you see a V trigger versus when you see a V reversal, like, you know, 10, 20% of the time or something, it's ridiculously bad. And I can't see as a game designer at Capcom that not being the outcome. Like you had to see that in development. You had to see that coming. And when you talk about Street Fighter, you so often want that that balance between offense and defense. It's what keeps the game interesting. It's Street Fighter. This is what we're used to. This is the history of this game. And, and when you have one of the main core defensive mechanics uh, just not be that great, like, of course the game is going to end up this way. Mm-hmm. Um, and now switching here, actually, a little bit here uh, to, to Street Fighter Four as an example, um, focus attacks could not only be used offensively, but defensively as well, because you could absorb an attack and then backdash away to safety, and that would build up some of your other resources, right? Yep. yep. Y- you were able to use that in the flow, and of course, you know, if you let a focus attack go, you get the, the crumple potentially, you, you know, be able to blow up you know things it was a really nice uh, offensive and defensive mix but you know then people might immediately say well how about ultras right well okay yes ultras were extremely good and you can make the argument that that made offense um a very powerful you know much more powerful tool compared to comparatively but you also had in this game invincible backdashes and invincible backdashes were so good universally that they pretty much like nerfed them in every game since Street Fighter 4. Uh, and you got out of so many situations and had so many things happen that I don't know if it was exactly intentional, but it did work out that way for the defensive mechanic of backdashes to be very powerful in Street Fighter 4. It was really nice to have option selects to counter those. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I, well, that's spoilers for later in the list. I want to, I have some more to say about this though. Um, when we were talking about this and trying to formulate what we specifically wanted to tackle here my mind first went to the specifics of comeback mechanics because they've i have this love-hate relationship mostly hate with comeback mechanics in that i see that their purpose is is clear and that they make things interesting and they can be fun and there's there's a lot that they add to the the experience sure but they also so easily can become imbalanced because it's essentially it's a reward for getting hit and like that's gonna take away from like some of the competitive aspects of it in almost any way you cut it now i think there's room for them but you got to be really particular and precise with your execution on these things um and now we back out a little bit to our view of this concept this all very much falls within the the general idea of you just have to balance your offense and your defense generally speaking in these games so it's hard to just hammer down well there should be v reversals or there shouldn't be it's like well you it, it's you can't really say that without knowing everything else that's in place and how powerful each thing is so it's kind of hard to talk directly about comeback mechanics i can't say there should or shouldn't be some i think that those are here to stay but to whatever you want your comeback mechanic to be. We've seen ultras, we've seen V triggers. Uh, Make sure that you are very specifically attending to all the different parts of the machine and keeping things balanced because as cool as a a fun comeback will, will be and as many fireworks as will fly, if it doesn't really matter that much, then you're you're really shooting yourself in the foot. And mm-hmm. I think that that's something that Street Fighter V has suffered from uh, to, an, to a pretty strong degree. It didn't kill it, yeah. and thank goodness it didn't. But um, I would really like to see the developers pay special attention to the overall balance here. And this is a place where it can very easily be too big of a uh, of a weight on the scales. Yeah, these things are not designed in a vacuum. It's so hard to, going back to the point you were making there, uh, of it's so easy to say, like, you know, 
you're not looking at the overall meta, the context of the game sometimes when you're just isolating a few specific mechanics, right? Uh, and I actually think that Street Fighter 4 ended up in a pretty good spot offensively and defensively. Like, you know, the, the Vortex was probably a little bit too sided towards offense. But oh, it was wasn't horrible. This... It was ruining the game. Yeah. And, you know, and so they made another mechanic on top of it, the delayed wake up, right? Yep. Like there's a lot of ways that you can do this stuff. And, and delayed make, wake up didn't make sense to Capcom until later on in Street Fighter 4's lifespan. Uh, and that's what we go to, to not designing the stuff in a vacuum, right? It's hard to know exactly what is going to happen and how players are going to use this. And you mentioned option selects. Well, we had a very powerful one that really made defense super strong in Street Fighter 4 initially until people learned how to blow it up with Throtex. Throtex mm -hmm. dominated this game for a long time, and one of the ways they counterbalanced that was if you earned an opening in Street Fighter uh, 4, they made Vortex super strong. They, they're like, okay, if you got that opening, you probably have really earned it, so now we're going to let you kind of stay in on the other player, and, you know... Uh, so it's a it's a classic like you know like you do one thing and the, the, the pendulum swings the other way and you know vice versa and it keeps doing that until you hopefully find more of a happy medium. Uh, but speaking of Street Fighter Four, I think it's something that universally the community agrees has a better balance of offense and defense than Street Fighter Five has. Mm -hmm. Man, I remember those days though. You talk about thinking about with rose colored glasses. Well, I definitely appreciated where Ultra ended up. Ultra Street Fighter Four, the final version of the game. But when uh, I remember back in super if akuma knocked abel down with all the oh. option selects that he could do abel was essentially done if the akuma player could uh could could perform the option selects it was just a matter of could you dial in the set play after that because um because of the way the character worked he, he knocked you down and then he did a demon flip and he inputted a couple of different attacks or maneuvers and then depending on how you woke up and if you blocked or not or if you did that back dash he would hit you, and it would go right back into the same situation, rinse and repeat until the life bar was gone. In fact, my good friend Driftwood, when we went to our first Evo, it was 2010, uh, and he ended up making it into the or onto the stream in during pools. But he went up against Shinshang, and Shinshang was playing Akuma. Driftwood played Abel, and it was just man for your first time being on stream at Evo. <laughs> It was pretty gnarly. There were there were more than a few perfects. We'll just say that. Uh -huh. So and it wasn't yeah. it wasn't fun. Like it was yeah. that, that's cool for a minute, right? That's got a firework for a minute. Oh, Akuma's so powerful. That's great. Oh, whoa, cool. But as soon as that becomes the norm, it's like you've taken so much away from the game. Um, now, so <laughs> that was no. An it's a whole different discussion if you play able if you deserve that or not. I personally <laughs> would argue yes. You did, then they gave but... him brainless, you know. So, <laughs> mm. um, but yeah, but so now that was a, a particular situation where option selects, as you were getting at, were just r ruining everything, right? Because mm -hmm. they led to you could cover so many options at once that it didn't matter what your opponent did and there's i mean that only takes as long as as it takes to figure out how to do dps regularly you know or input a command once you figured that out as soon as you've have gotten to that point in the match it's it's kind of over already and we don't want that either right so the next thing on our list i don't know if you've officially said it or not but is Oh, um, I did have one other point here before we move on. My apologies. And I, I did want to talk about, because we, we've talked about Street Fighter V being too, um, you know, offensive disposition, and then Street Fighter Four having a pretty good balance. Mm -hmm. But I do want to take people back to Street Fighter Three, and that would be the game having too defensive of a, a mechanic that really altered the game and made it very boring for a lot of people, and that was the parry mechanic. Uh, a much beloved uh, mechanic by a lot of people. The competitive crowd loves it. Yeah, right. and, and it would get hyped, you know, for the audience and other stuff when it actually happened and stuff. But 
but it made the game shift to much more sitting back and gaining resources and then going in when you had an uh, uh, opening to do so to get max damage, right? Players would sit back there and just whiff normals all day long to build up the meter and, and to try to do things, and you did not have a proper zoning mechanic in Street Fighter or 3 because of parries. You would try to you know zone them out and do other things, and basically they could just sit back there all day and parry and gain resources and do things. That zoning became not completely... Uh, impossible to do but not very advantageous it was very dialed back in that game and that is a game in my opinion that was dominated very heavily by defensive styles of play uh, again just sitting back building resources and then going in when you've pretty much had beefed up your character to the max you know dragon ball z level you know that they could and, and you know power level 9000 and then go in and and that is an, another example of a mechanic that is fairly well thought of but ended up resulting in a very negative kind of style of play uh i think overall for street fighter 3 well the the game was commercially a a failure right and mm -hmm. so i think that's what you're getting at there when you say that sure i mean probably most people listening to this and, and myself uh, very much included uh, we'll watch was it like cooperation cup and there's that's just so chock full of highlights and the kinds of things that happen there with parries and, and the stuff that those competitive players pull off is amazing and incredibly entertaining and it is just a spike of, of of hype and excitement but it takes a lot to be able to appreciate those kinds of things and as we saw like that that experiment that was run the street fighter 3 experiment this isn't the way to do it if you want your game to be successful with the majority so the the answer here is something like find where that worked and and implement it but don't sacrifice the 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 big general masses, see if you can get both in next time. But yeah. that was very much too far towards one end of the spectrum. And, and as you said, not commercially successful, Street Fighter Three. if there's a side to err on, it's going to be on offense. And that yeah. is what we have learned from Capcom is that, that, that and that's why Street Fighter Five ended up the way it did. And they can't afford a financial um, disaster like what Street Fighter Three was. And I know, again, that it's beloved in the community's eyes, but that was not a successful entry in this franchise. And you if you're Capcom and you're making a numbered entry in Street Fighter, if there's a side that you're going to be biased towards, it's going to be offense. Mm -hmm. But, you know, and so make it more like a 60-40 or maybe you know, even better, like a 55-45, like, you know, tailored towards offense kind of system. Not like the 70-30 or whatever the heck we have here in Street Fighter V. Uh, that disparity is way too large. Um, and again, so it's it's more than likely Capcom is going to be dispositioned towards offense. They want the fireworks. They want the esports stuff. And history shows they probably need to do that, right? But not this much. Just don't freaking overcorrect as much as you did with Street Fighter V. Somewhere between four and five at this point, right? I think it was like way too much defensive with three. And then I liked four. And I think a lot yeah. of people did too. Yeah. You could look at the sales. And then they went further offense with five. Okay, all right, we ran this experiment. Let's dial it back somewhere between four and five if, if people weren't totally happy with four. And there were definitely problems with it. But we, you know, we're getting there. We're making mm -hmm. progress. We're figuring out going too far, coming back. And, uh, and who knows? Maybe Street Fighter Six is where they find that sweet spot. All right, so now let's get into it. You wanted to talk here about comeback mechanics, one of the, the, the dirty words in fighting games. Mm. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I kind of already said what I was <laughs> kind oh. of generally saying. <laughs> oh, you, 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 you don't have anything more. Like, uh, come on, man. Like, I don't have a comeback this, for that. Uh, yeah, uh, you, you need this. Okay, so let, let's get into this. So, so comeback mechanics are basically introduced heavily in Street Fighter Four with Ultras. And now we... we 
it was they well, were around well, I, in other ways. Wouldn't people you know, they, say they, supers in Street Fighter Two was like the first kind of major comeback mechanic? Well, you could you ba- you basically earned those. You didn't get those by getting. You're right. Up. It was offensive. You, 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 you know, Ryu players were infamous for sitting there and doing like tatsus in the air and other stuff and, and just, you know, building resources and stuff. Yeah. You actually had to actively build them in different ways. And ultras were I, one of the first ones. I'm sure there's others, but one of the first ones, at least in um, a major AAA fighting game where you got beat up and you got this meter from it. Like heavily, that was like the only way you could do it, basically. Mm-hmm. You could, you know, fo- focus absorb or whatever. And then so comeback mechanics come in and they are extremely disapproved of by the hardcore fighting game community. They are hated. And, but what you have seen is you've seen almost all the modern day fighting games now pick up these comeback mechanics and and basically add them into the the game. And I guess where I would go with this is kind of a continuation of what we were talking about is how much are V triggers, uh, and how they're designed with a lack of defensive mechanic a problem versus how much are they fundamentally a problem in Street Fighter V, do you think? Yeah, I don't think they're fundamentally a problem. I, I think that there is room for a comeback mechanic. And uh, maybe part of that is just me reading the room and saying, okay, these are here to stay. Probably do I want to fight something that's this now deeply rooted into it? Or do I want to just try to make it... Uh, work and dance with everything else that's going on so that we can have an ultimately you know better product and I think that the the, the the latter there is very much possible so that's where my my brain is sort of at with all of this um, you know it some a broad basic idea of what you would want this to be is something along the lines of well it should give you a fighting chance it should give you one last like so that you're not completely out of it but it shouldn't be, oh, here's the strongest thing you could possibly do, and now now you've unlocked it, right? It should just, and, and I don't know exactly what that looks like, and it's also not 100% my job to know exactly what that looks like. We're, we're kind of researching and, and progressing through and getting better and better ideas of what that is. But generally speaking, I think that if you go in with that as your goal, uh, th- then wherever you land with it, I think you're going to be at a better place because where it is right now it's just how how can I get to V trigger? And and a lot mm-hmm. of characters are still based around this, and they've 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 done a lot to help that. It's it's been worse, but still, so much of this game is decided by how a V trigger sequence plays out. And yeah. and 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 that does. I don't want it to be V trigger Fighter Five. I want it to be Street yeah. Fighter Five, and that can be a part of it. And it can and it can introduce some cool visuals, and it can introduce some you know whatever it is that that fighting chance. But it shouldn't be your, here's a nuclear bomb, go crazy. Yeah, I think that people were terrified of Ultras initially in Street Fighter 4, and for good reason. And Capcom tweaked them a good amount. Um, they made it more, much more difficult for most characters to combo into their Ultra uh, and just have that be kind of the deciding factor in so many matchups. I definitely agree with you that V-Triggers are much more dominant in Street Fighter 5 than they were in, uh, Ultras were in Street Fighter 4. Um, so there was a lot of initial fear. I think there was even more fear... Uh, and more outrage of, of ultras uh, in Street Fighter 4 than there are V-Triggers in Street Fighter 5, except among us, like except, except among the Event Hub staff. You know, we talk about it a lot, but the community kind of seems pretty accepting of it overall, uh, which is interesting because it was it was the new thing, relatively speaking, in Street Fighter 4. Uh, and now it's kind of become an accepted part. Uh, you know, we've had X-Factor. We've had all these, you know, Pandora, which was pretty much worthless. We've had all this other kind of, you know, comeback mechanics in other games. Like, 
and it, I think it's just become so accepted now. Um, but it's funny that the reality of Street Fighter 4, the comeback mechanics, I don't feel like were that dominant. I actually feel like they fairly were well balanced in that game. It was scaled uh, and, and, it, and it built after you had the gauge halfway filled, you could use it and it would be less powerful. Mm-hmm. There was there was some nuance with it, and I think you could go even further with that, with these comeback mechanics. I really like the idea of having something that you can use in multiple ways. You can use your V-gauge both defensively or offensively here in Street Fighter V. It's just that that balance isn't very good, as we established mm-hmm. already. But if players are having to make those kinds of choices, and those choices are also obvious to the audience, because, hey, this is esports and there's no way to get away from that, and that's just fine that adds to the richness of the experience and you can appreciate more about what's going on in the mental problem solving real time back and forth that we're watching that we're here to appreciate and enjoy and see these players push themselves to the limits and figure out these problems where it seems like you know immediately i have no idea you know what what's the answer and when they figure it out and they find their opponent's rhythm like that's really cool so as many opportunities as people have to explore those spaces and and you also want to make sure that that's apparent again like i said to your viewers do that so so mm-hmm. I, and i and you know this is just me spitballing off the top of my head but like maybe you get something uh, as powerful as a v trigger but then maybe if you don't use that because you're getting your butt kicked uh, maybe you can have something that you cash that in, and instead of getting the the kind of offense that a V trigger would give you, maybe after you're you've been KO'd, you come back with like one pixel left, and you can and you get like one more chance. And it's like that's not giving you any extra advantages, but it's giving you that fighting chance to like maybe the like, if you just got one more and you could still get chipped out. Who knows? It's not a lot. But it's something, something like that, and and you could choose like how do I want to use it? How many options do I have to to implement this? And how how creative can your players be? Yeah, it, it, you went back to like talking about intent and skill and other things. Like we want to see that, and it's why we get so upset in past seasons and in the current one, I guess, about you know uh, Rashid and Akuma, um, and. It's, we can tell that the, the people that are using them are not having to work as hard as the other players up there. Uh, Rashid less so this season, but Akuma for sure. And, and look, your, your job is much easier. It's definitely easier. I, I, I don't want to say much easier, but it's definitely easier than someone who's playing freaking, oh, okay, well, if I say Alex, it's much easier. Yes, your job is much easier than... In, in, Fans get hype about seeing displays of high-level skill and high-level intent. And when you purposefully dumb that down, when you drop that down, it decreases the hype. It decreases the interest. We want to see high displays of skill going on. And when you give a mechanic too much or a character too much brain-dead stuff, it really it takes away from that. And the hardcore people really do feed this community. The FGC feeds this and makes this like it's it's a, a big part of the engine, basically. Um, and a lot of other parts, you know, you got your you know the, the the paint job and you've got the you know the windows, all this other kind of stuff that that dress everything up and make it nice. But the a big part of the engine is is the FGC, and and so making your stuff appeal properly to hardcore people is a part of this equation. It's not the only part, but it is a, a part of it. And Mechanics like V-Trigger where you can see the person didn't have to work that hard to make their V-Trigger, you know, function and, and, and just, you know, beat the other player, it, it detracts from this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a, a nice separation of how Street Fighter 4 did it versus how Street Fighter 5 did it where it felt more earned in Street Fighter 4. I'm not going to say it was perfect and, you know, it, like Rufus comboing into his ultra <laughs> 50 billion different ways was super earned. No, there was problems still, but it felt more authentic. It felt more earned in Street Fighter 4. And, and that should be 
a hardcore lesson here for Capcom that you have to be very careful with comeback mechanics. I think that the community has universally agreed and embraced them. It just, they've been around so much that it's like, it's a thing. It's just, they're not going away. We understand pretty much every game has them in this day and age, but really make them nuanced, really make them an earned thing versus a very, it feels too often unearned in Street Fighter V. I like that. Be really careful with comeback mechanics. So the next thing we have is option selects. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, so speaking of Street Fighter Four, since we've been praising it a bunch, I definitely want to run that damn game through the mud. <laughs> and these option selects that were in Street Fighter Four and were some of the worst things I have ever experienced in a fighting game, in my opinion. Some of the worst freaking things I hate option selects with a passion and I used them all up and down I want to be very clear <laughs> about that like they they were intrinsic to, to me playing Rose and, and competing and stuff like that I had to use them one of the biggest points of playing fighting games is making the correct reads and when you have a system that entirely negates that because you entered a code I think that's horrific design. I don't think it's bad design. I think it's horrific. One of the the most important things you could have in a fighting game, and you're basically taking that off the table. I remember PR Balrog joking that the next level of Street Fighter Four is the game is just going to play itself for you, and you're going to do very well. And it's just like it it, it got to the <laughs> you're going to do very well. <laughs> <laughs> it got to complete and utter stupidity because if you could basically enter a code in there, you could negate a bunch of situations. You didn't have to think. The game picked the best possible option for you. And that is so fundamentally against what makes fighting games good. I hated it with a passion. It is one of the reasons I don't look at Street Fighter 4 very fondly anymore because I remember the game just completely evolving at a high level to pretty much option selects upon option selects. It's like you were literally uh, option select inception. You had two or three layers of option selects to cover the other person. It's just like you're not even playing the game anymore. It's literally just coming down to if you could input the code correctly or not. Can you do the up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, AB code now, is faster I, than the other person. I gotta hit you with your own sauce. I don't disagree with what you're saying right now, but and we've talked about Street Fighter V a lot, and and um, especially when uh, when Dream King and I will talk about, uh, this is kind of more behind the scenes stuff, but like where we get hung up in Street Fighter V, and the answer tends to be, you need to take a step back and consider like that you can't be at certain places on the screen, or else you are very much going to be dominated by by certain characters and such so the answer doesn't be it doesn't become well if you're in this place on the screen what am i supposed to do it sucks it's like the answer is yeah it does suck and the an and and don't be there so what to someone that would say well okay for option selects well don't be in those scenarios the the answer is figure out a way to avoid those situations and that becomes the meta of the game and that has been some i bring that up not only just to be you know sort of facetious and throw your own sauce at you but it's also that's something that i've heard as an argument that in street fighter 4 especially on the higher levels and such the pros would you know consider there were option selects and yet they were still able to navigate through those and counter each other and perhaps not even use them as much because the counters were in place to them stuff like that so what yeah, would you tell say that, that tell that to gamer be in top eight when he's uh playing mike ross and justin wong and he's just option selecting the hell out of them and destroying them in the competition uh it, it's they were dominating top levels of play and not only that they were dominating low levels of play because of the throw tech 
um, uh, basic, you know, basic bread and butter. Everyone like that got to a medium level in Street Fighter Four learned to do the throw tech option select, and it fundamentally changed how that game was played because you could cover three out of the four or five options that the opponent could throw at you, and fundamentally you know that someone had basically mastered throw tech. What was it? The uh, the even the four button um, uh, tech mm-hmm. thing where you would also do the focus attack and do other things on top of it. That was something more higher level players were doing. Lower level players weren't doing that. But my point about that is, and where it differs from not being in those spots, is like that fundamentally you could not get around that easily. You could you get just around your it. button. You could, but that was uh, doing those kind of meaty timings and doing it properly and not getting caught by the, the crouching light kick and then eating a combo for that effort of delaying your, your button. That was not an easy timing to do. Meaty timings, we already know in Street Fighter V, um, are you can mess them up a good bit even at the levels that you and I are at in that mm-hmm. game. And we're both pretty darn good, right? Uh, in Street Fighter Four, you had less of a window to do those meaties properly. And if you messed them up, you were getting counter hit by that crouching light kick. That's coming out that your opponent is having to do nothing to think of. About. They are literally just inputting that code, and that fundamentally changed how Street Fighter 4 was played. It fundamentally meant that some strategies that worked in a bunch of previous fighting games just did not flat out work in Street Fighter 4, and it made the game a very safe and very controlled game where it's like, look, if you can open up my core defensive stuff, great, now now you get Vortex, now you get all this other stuff that comes with it, so we can make offensive defense like somewhat balanced. That's how it worked out. I hated that. I hated that the fundamental like am I going to go for a throw or am I going to go for a button you didn't even have to think about most of the time in Street Fighter 4 you you did have to think about it the opponent was really good and considered up properly and some characters were better about it than others but fundamentally it destroyed a huge part of the game and I'm not the only one who thinks about this Daigo hated this too he hated the throw we actually read an article about it saying how much he hates the throw tech stuff and how it just defeats a core part of this game and just doesn't make it unplayable, but just ruins a big part of the fun. Like that, it, it, am I going for you know the the, the core like throw hit um, our our block you know in, in fighting games like mm-hmm. a, a, a huge part of it, and you're just basically you're throwing seventy five percent of that out the window. It's not applicable in Street Fighter Four. That sucks, and it's horrible design, and I never want to see that come back. It's one of the things I hated about Street Fighter Four the most. Yeah, and, and it was a game that we've talked about this a handful of times. That it was too far on the defensive side of things, right? With all the like the back dashes are a really good example. Um, one of my as a, as a Goken player, if I got a forward throw, one of my dial in option selects was to dash forward demon flip, and I would. Um, option select in there and EX uh, Tatsu, which would catch any wake up backdashes. I think maybe save for Roses because she was so good and her backdash was so amazing that uh, even this would whiff on her. Uh, but for most everyone else, that would beat that very, very, very strong defensive mechanic of backdash on wake up. And so, yes, option selects were there uh, some, as something of an answer to the game's two defensive uh, properties, or overly defensive properties, I should say. And so I do think they it, it brought an element of balance, but this whole equation... Mm-hmm just isn't one that I think we really want to... I think we could achieve this without having to to, to build these particular structures, if you will, yeah. because the structures themselves are kind of ugly. And yeah. if we can do it in a different way, I think we should. 
Yeah, it's and again, you know, we're, we're talking about Street Fighter Five being dominated by offense. Well, if you had this defensive mechanic in it, I'll call it a defensive mechanic. Yeah, it would help out the, the disparity quite a bit. But all these other side effects would come from it that we experience with Street Fighter Four, and that's how come the developers of Street Fighter Five said, "Look, we're trying to eliminate most of the option selects in this game. Mm-hmm. We're trying to get rid of them because we feel that it's overall not working well for what direction and what vision we have with this game. And I just really don't want to see them come back to Street Fighter Six because I think there are more elegant solutions, exactly what you're saying, to this problem. It, it's it's basically, it, it's kind of like, you know, it's like having a, a janky character model because you didn't have time to work on it properly. And, and, and yeah, because your budget was lower and you ran out of time and other stuff, you have a janky character model, that's that's part of life, right? But it's like, well, don't do that. Budget more resources to figuring it out. You know, give yourself more time to fix Ken's face or Chun-Li's face or whatever (laughs) thing it is. Do that because it's ugly. Yeah, we deal with it. Yeah, we can overcome that. And it's it's not the biggest issue on the planet for some people at least, but for some people it is. And for some people, Chun-Li's face makes them be very turned off on the entire game. And so I think it's a problem that we, we have really established that we kind of don't want, even though there are some benefits to it. And I know this might be controversial. I know there's people out there that are saying like, look, I loved option selects in Street Fighter 4. They should be brought back. Um, and I mean, you feel free to shout out your arguments for them here uh, in, in the comments or hit us up on Twitter. I'm happy to hear more reasons people you know, might have for keeping these around, but I personally just hate them with a passion. And, and I generally thought they were the worst thing hands down about Street Fighter 4. Did you feel that when we were in Street Fighter 4 or was oh, it yeah. more of a, of a hindsight? Them. Hated him. I, we were one of the, the actual main people getting the option selects out there because people would send them. Uh, them. And I, I remember doing, you know, 50, 100 option select stories. And it's like, look, people want this tech. And it's like, it, it goes back to the old school, um, you know, you couldn't throw people in Street Fighter 2 rule, you know, kind of thing. And it's like, it, that was a BS rule from the get-go. Um, it was part of the game. It was an important part of the game, being able to throw people. But people hated it and, and thought it, you know, should go away and, and kind of be whatever. Um, you play the game that you're given, you know, kind of thing for better or for worse. And Capcom did figure out that throws were overpowered. And so they, they made the softening of throws in Super Turbo. And then they later made the whole teching of throws uh, in Street Fighter 3 and I think Alpha as well, um, Alpha 3. Um, but what actually came from in, uh, introducing the throw tech is the option selects that we, we get into here. Mm-hmm. And it's just such a funny thing of watching the pendulum swing over the years uh, that that enabling the throw teching system that we have actually created options, helped create option selects uh it's just it's a very funny thing watching it happen and it's like but this is also our evolution in the fgc and it's like let's not de-evolve ourselves let's get past the stuff and say this was bad for the game fundamentally and go find and do something else yeah and it seems that capcom has learned that lesson or well let's hope yeah well well, with street fighter (laughs) 5 they made this intent to not have option selects they 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 went and they hunted through and they got rid of i think everything i mean there might be an option select or two that but it doesn't really affect the game and it's not part of the game's identity nowhere near like it was with john are you are you saying capcom doesn't repeat their mistakes is that what you're saying oh no i'm not saying that at all i'm (laughs) saying in street fighter 5 they got rid of option selects and i think it's been working for them yes i I, haven't seen campaigns on twitter for people saying bring back option selects and i don't think any for those that might want them they're not being loud enough to bring them back and for those of us i i think i'm on i'm kind of just playing whatever (laughs) i didn't have an issue with them in four but i can appreciate them now more for what they are having played in five and uh and yeah i i do want that intent i want to see what you can do as an individual not 
you know, if you can put the code in. And that's what I was talking about yeah. earlier. You know, if you can just put the code in, it's like, well, good. I'll watch someone do like a, a, a speed run through a one player game if I want to see something like that. But that's not what we're here for. Yeah, it's uh, man, I'm, I'm terrified of them repeating some mistakes from the past on this one. And that's why I bring it up. But speaking of not repeating mistakes and actually adding in something that is juicy that you really like, you want to bring back attack choices. Tell yes. us about that. So. So the most recent example of this, and it's been something that's been riddled throughout fighting games in general at this point through the history, is the ability to sort of um, come up with your own brand uh, of character even on the character select screen. And I don't mean through costumes and such, I mean through uh, choice of particular moves. In Street Fighter V, we have a choice between V-triggers and, and we also have a choice between V-skills. And I really like that. It doesn't have to be the specific comeback mechanic and and you know the 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 v skill option it can be whatever we've seen different isms um um different i mean in in like the marvel games there's the uh, different types of assists but something that can allow players to play characters in the way that they might want to play them and add their own little uh, nuance to them so that we don't run into the problem of like what we had at the beginning of Street Fighter V where a Nikali was a Nikali was a Nikali and you were going to see the same exact style of gameplay and unless you saw the player cams you wouldn't know if it was Gamer B or if it was Haitani or someone completely else, right? I think this is one of the best ways of giving players that opportunity given that of course things are balanced otherwise if everyone just resorts to v trigger two or option two because it's the clearly the best one well you need to go back to uh to point number one that we were talking about and tweak things there because it's just so damn foundational that it really affects everything else um which is why it's the first point which is why i think it's the most important of all of these but it, uh, it definitely manifests here. And like I was saying earlier, that ability to express yourself and play the character in the way that you might want to play them and, and, and kind of mm -hmm. explore with your own unique approach is really important and, and something very important also for esports. So yeah. there's so much I there. Mean is, there's so much history of this, and, and you you know you cite Street Fighter Five as a modern example, but we you know had it in Street Fighter Four, we had it in Street Fighter Three and mm -hmm. Alpha Three, which is one of the things I remember it first from. Alpha Three, you could choose Xism, you know, Aism, or, or you know the other options, and then Street Fighter Three had the custom um, uh, critical arts yep. you could pick. Yeah, and, and Capcom has has said they've shied away from doing this because they feel it's intimidating for newer players. Yeah, but I agree with you. It's it's just if you just have an option or two, like Alpha Three was like fairly you know casual friendly, like it did quite well. Um, and I don't think it's too bad if you give them an extra option or two at the, the, the beginning because you're always going in this direction anyway. You, this is something that you're adding in every single you know Street Fighter game you're doing. Give us this option to start with just to have a little bit of customization in there and, and accept that new players are probably going to mash their way through it or, you know, select an auto option for them or, you know, may, maybe make it like that hidden option here where, you know, um, it just picks like the default, you know, V skill or whatever type thing and they don't have to worry about it. But, you know, as they play the game more, maybe that option unlocks or something auto along and those manual. lines. Isn't that, wasn't that kind of yeah. like there's an easy mode and, and more serious mode. If you want to just get to the exactly. fight, here, here's auto. And, and, and I'm not exactly sure what all that meant. I think it's from a Marvel versus Capcom. Uh, uh, it's alpha, actually. They, they started a auto and manual and it was to help you with blocking a little bit. There were certain situations where the game would actually block for you an alpha. And I, I forget the drawbacks for doing it, but I think they existed. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's there's a history here, and, and those games were still picked up and played by casuals really well. Like, there's a way of doing this with nuance and, and still appeasing the hardcore uh, fighting game community that, you know, really supports these games a lot. It takes me back to when I was a kid in, in the mall that we would go to. 
there was a GameWorks. Before it was called GameWorks, it was called Stage 35, which was cool. I remember uh, coming out of the Waterboy and getting to go to Stage 35. Anyways, they had an MVC2 cabinet, and, and they had a handful of other fighting games where these kinds of options were there. And, and I'm, the reason I'm bringing this up is I was very, very much a casual seven-year-old or whatever I was at the time, and I was playing these things. And I can say from at least my point of view, when we talk about competitive versus casual and you say uh, the developers say this is going to be intimidating to the casual players it's like they're putting the casual players in the competitive players mindset and having the casual players have the expectations and the the level of detail and the analysis of the game that a competitive player is going to have and that's not really what happens as i think about seven-year-old me going and and, and playing uh I remember having these options and being maybe a little bit intimidated is not the right word, but I'd be like, oh, okay, so I have to pick this and, and maybe I would just do it at random. And I wouldn't even know what I was choosing and I did not care because I got mm-hmm. to get in there and I just got to do, you know, Venom jumps and, and Ryu Hadoukens and whatever. And I could have fun on the casual level, not even acknowledging those things. And if I played the game enough and it, and, it, and it drew me in enough to keep me coming back, then maybe I'll start to explore those things and appreciate them more and more for what they are. Maybe I'd choose another one and see what that felt like and see what if I could even identify what the thing was. But the point being here is that I think those that are approaching casually are really not so worried about that stuff. And it's not going to be the thing that like... Can you imagine a sit down and I'm going to play this game and then I'm choosing my character on the character select and then it asks me another question. What? It asked me another question? Well, F this, I'm gone. Like how many times has that ever happened? No, you just like, oh, I guess I'll whatever this. And then and then you mash. It's like we're not playing on that level. So, so maybe don't change your entire game so that people uh, would play on that level that are casual. It's like uh, there's there's some wires crossed there, and I think they need to reevaluate some of those things because I, a lot of these decisions I don't think are having as much of an impact on the casual crowd. You have to yeah. acknowledge the casual crowd, but these particular avenues of complexity I don't think are turning people off as much as developers think they are. I agree. And speaking of, of appealing to the casual crowd, uh, number five here is no disabling meters like stun gauges because they clutter up your user interface. Yep, same idea. Don't ever freaking do it. Uh, it, it is, it, it seems like I'm going to be picking on Street Fighter 4 here a bit. Um, and, and yeah, I, I am. Uh, there was some, you know, pretty heavy, intense flaws with that game that people don't seem to want to admit anymore with that. People like John and Steven uh, on Event Hubs. But no, <laughs> I, I, we, we talk about this all the time. And I know you guys agree with this as well. But uh, they outright just removed Stun Gauge uh, from Street Fighter 4. And they said, like, it clutters up the user interface. Well, guess what? If you go and play Street Fighter 4 online, you have two rows of numbers that display your points. You have a title that appears up there. Uh, you have all this other kind of stuff. If you actually compare Street Fighter 4 playing it online to Street Fighter 5, Street Fighter 5 is way less cluttered. And guess what? It has a stun gauge prominently displayed. It's very easy to see it. Like you can make a user interface that does not have uh, too much clutter issues and other things like that. And you know, you could just make the gauges fairly small or kind of do whatever. Uh, hardcore players are going to look at that and find them um they don't care as much casual uh, they players just... don't even notice uh, yeah. to, to a certain extent yes, yes. I, I can imagine and for some reason i imagine an anime game I, I guess i see them as more complicated um but like i can see a game where there's like three different meters where the stun bars you know are and, and underneath the life meter and then there's also your meter at the bottom and yes it it could become 
too cluttered and therefore overwhelming. But something like a stun gauge, something like a if you want to do guard breaks, things along those lines, casual players aren't even going to notice those things. What casual players are going to notice is how good it feels to hit the buttons and make the things on the screen happen. Does it feel satisfying to... That's the level that casual players are operating at. And if you get past that level, then you're starting to get into the competitive side of things. And then you do appreciate all of those other meters and bars that are on the screen. So yes, there is a line, but I don't think that a stun or, or like even two extra gauges on the screen is at all crossing that kind of a line. Yeah. And look, if Capcom's user interface designers insist on removing stuff uh, that the community really wants, have a hardcore toggle mode in the options menu somewhere where all the stuff the competitive community cares about can be turned on. Don't omit crucial information from the game that hardcore gamers expect to have just because it clutters up your UI a little bit. Um, it, it's it's just like bury it five menus deep. Like, you know, we have to go and look through like, you know, 20 sets of menus mm, to get it or I whatever. Would say have it on the main menu. Have it like, you know, don't have it to easily flip switch on accident, but have it very accessible yeah. for those of us that or that you could turn it on permanently or something like yeah, that. You could have you turn it on. It's, it's a toggle, right? Okay. It's a permanent toggle that you put it on and it's fine. It's fine. You bury it wherever you need to. Hardcore players are going to find it, and if you don't want the casual players, like, if that is that big of an issue, have an option for it. And Mortal Kombat, again, is a great example of this. You can turn on ping times in that game. You can turn on some options in there that make much more sense for hardcore players that casual players don't care about. Uh, or, you know, maybe you feel like it's too complicated for them. Just have an option there for us. It's fine. If you really feel that passionate about it, give us a freaking option. Don't hide the stun gauge. Don't give us a stun gauge in Street Fighter 3 and then say, nah you guys don't really need to see that anymore that is stupid it is flat out stupid and should be completely unacceptable and you know what capcom if you do that crap with street fighter 6 i or someone on my staff is going to write a story blowing you the hell up about it don't freaking do it we don't want to see that crap just give us an option in the menu so that we can access that again yes because it lets you play that even more nuanced game if you can see that stun going up uh, it, it adds to it and and again it allows the audience to appreciate that sure the pros the best of the best they were constantly counting stun in street fighter 4 and that was impressive in and of itself but this is much more marketable and much more uh, digestible for the masses uh, and, and across the spectrum of different players that you're going to have if you have it up there and, and present for us to see there it is. So I, I do have to give here a little bit of an honorable mention to Jim's Street Fighter Cross deck. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, it was a terrible idea and terrible implementation. I don't think Capcom is ever going to bring that back because when they were marketing Marvel versus Capcom Infinite, they they specifically called it like the Power Stones. They're like, we're not using the word gems again because <laughs> of just the very negative connotations on that. I don't think it's ever coming back, but I will honorable mention it just to ho hopefully help ensure that it never does. Oh boy, that was well, bad. Well, see, I kind of disagree. I think that those of us that have a lot of money and can flex and show that how much money we have via being better than others at fighting games or at least having a better win record is something that the community truly, truly wants. That's that's just something that I've garnered over these last couple of years of uh, being plugged into the fighting game community. No, I'm totally kidding. That's <laughs> yeah. pay, pay to, to win, win baby. Pay to win. It's, it's something gamers universally love. Just bring it right back and ran that sucker in there to Street Fighter 6. It's <laughs> definitely going to go well. Uh. All right, so a little more immediate now. Our next topic is the Capcom Cup and the events leading up to it. We have finished out 
all of the Capcom Pro Tour events. We have our, well, we have 19 of our 20 Capcom Cup 2020 competitors, say that five times fast, uh, Mm. established. But there is one more, and that comes from the community vote of last year's finalists who have not been qualified. Um, So... I have a bit of an issue with how this is going down. Um, and it's not the fact that Capcom has put the votes up and like the, the number of votes for every, uh, every competitor uh, that, that could potentially win this. Like if you go to the Capcom Cup GG, Smash GG page where you can see how everyone's doing, you can see the actual number of votes. And that's, I think, that, that, that's not the best approach. I think we should see who maybe who's in first place. Maybe not even that, but certainly not by how much but that's not my main issue here my main issue is with the majority of the players these are all top level street fighter 5 competitors as evidenced by the fact that they've all been in capcom cup before and there's like i say you can't get rid of the esports factor and and component of this and if you are trying to be a pro at esports in the fighting game community which is still emerging still behind some of the others but is definitely gaining momentum definitely growing what where the hell are all of the campaigns for trying to be voted in this is a popularity contest and there are so many different ways of approaching this and i have seen so little action from the overwhelming majority of players here uh the two that were the 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 biggest fighters naturally of of those that haven't been qualified and and i should point out that daigo qualified already so he's not in this running uh, were tokido and punk those are the two names that pop up the most just organically because they're two of the absolute best players punk got second place at a capcom cup last year and you think a lot of people would want to see those two over maybe anybody else just when it comes down to I want to see an impressive display of skill. Fair enough. I can't say to how much Tokido has been um, um, pushing for this. He's been one of the number one players on this on this poll um, because a lot of his stuff is in Japanese and whatnot, and I have seen a handful of things. But overwhelmingly speaking, I, I haven't seen much when someone like me, an event hubs writer who's constantly plugged into these social media circles and, and is monitoring the FGC this stuff should be pushed up in my face. It should be pushed up in the faces of people that aren't even really looking for it. That's how campaigns work. We all just, well, those of us in America just went through uh, a huge presidential election. How much did your phone and email and every which way get blown up with spam asking you to vote for so-and-so and and whatnot? That's the way you approach these kind of things. And these esports players should be entertaining us, getting their marketing out there, putting it up in our faces, making like giving us no choice but to vote, you know, and I'm not seeing it. And this is a, a huge entertainment side of the the picture aspect of this that is just completely being ignored by the majority. This morning, I will say that uh, I hopped on just to make sure that no one was going to have a strong counterexample to what I'm saying. And someone that has been doing a, a little bit of this in the past, uh, Luffy, mm-hmm. shot up to first place. And I'm like, whoa, how did Luffy suddenly shoot up to first place? Uh, well, sure enough, you look at his Twitter and there's this big, um, I don't know if it's B-E-I-N or Bean or something, esports, this, uh, I think it's a French esports um, um, entity has done this interview talking about, hey, vote for Luffy uh, and, and really making it this little campaign. And that's all it took to shoot him up from, I think he was in like fourth or fifth place up to first. 
And and then before this, it's been Zenith, who's Zenith is hey a Capcom Cup competitor, but he is not spoken about in the same circles as the likes of Tokido and Punk. And yet he was beating both of them. Why? Well, you go on his social media pages, and there's more stuff about hey vote for me. Um, than, than most everybody else's. Now, I'm sure people are telling their streams. Most of these players have streams and such, and that's good and you should be doing that, but you're also sort of preaching to the choir. Those are your fans already. You need to be out there. You need to be making campaigns. You need to be making like, you could do WWE videos style videos where you're talking smack about a different top player every time, you know, and, and maybe, it's, maybe it's some tongue-in-cheek stuff, whatever. You're entertaining people. You're making them think about you and think about Capcom Cup and consider voting for you. Uh, I should be being entertained by these people. This is esports, and I'm not seeing any of that yet. Yeah, and I, I will take issue with what you're saying here because I mean, looking through Luffy's timeline, I think he's done a really good job overall. You know, um, I think he's he's done a lot of memories of hey, you remember when I won Evo with Rose, and here's mm -hmm. artwork. Well, and other so he's stuff. one he's that's really, been been doing it much more than good. others. Yeah, and, but your point is not lost on me, and I really go back to a lot of fighting game players not understanding how important marketing is and getting their name out there and other things. You look at someone like LeBron James in basketball, and he is one of the best basketball players of all time. He's incredible. His skills speak so heavily for what he does, but he's not just a skills guy. He's out there. He speaks so incredibly well. He is so charismatic. He's very smart. He knows how to market himself. He's not just, he has about as big of resources and as much money as you can get uh, for a pro athlete. Yet even then he understands the fundamental importance of him going out there and doing interviews and talking to people and really pushing his name out there in a whole different way. And guess what? When your sponsorship uh, company picks you up and, and, and works for you, they want you to be able to do this. They want you to be able to go out there and market your image, your name, your other things. And so when people complain about, I can't get a sponsorship deal on the FGC, I don't understand what's going on here. My skills are great. Well, guess what? There's this whole marketing side you need to understand and you need to cater or two so that you get your name image uh and other the, your persona out there in front of people it is a very important part of things and luffy is a smart dude he knows how to do this another smart dude who's great at doing this who's not a part of the voting thing because he already qualified in, for his skills alone is daigo daigo is great at managing his image and getting himself out there in a very highly respectable way um and very charismatic and and, and he just does a great job and it's something that too many of the fighting game community very young players and other things they do not understand how important this stuff is so the fact that you're highlighting this and you're upset about it i agree with you i do think there are some exceptions to, to this process i think some people have done a very good job about this but i think most of the others have not and it's very disappointing to see because there is a very big aspect of, of marketing we do this all up and down with event hubs we know how to market our website and get our names out there and to do things this is a it's a big deal for us and we have experience doing it uh, we know how valuable that is mm -hmm. and the fact that these players are not doing it i'm glad you're calling them out you're not just calling them out to call them out you're not just pointing fingers at them and saying you suck at this you're saying get better at this because it's going to help you. You know, one of the people that we champion is one of the smartest players both within the game and outside of the game in the way that he holds himself and the way he does interviews. 801 Strider, Gustavo, the yeah. guy is oh, brilliant. He's and he's sitting in like fourth, or third from last place with a measly 131 votes. Like he's already given up. He could get into Capcom Cup through this. I know that he could. I was looking forward to seeing what was Strider's specific campaign to get into Capcom Cup. I wanted to see that. 
And and I you know I go to his pages and I don't see anything and I'm like, yep. you guys, you're leaving so much on the table. And I know that I know some of you. There's a ton of potential, and I know some of the guys here that I that I that we don't know the potential of. They could break out in this whole you know persona. It's like it's kind of sad that Smug's already qualified because I bet you he'd be doing something here. And and especially when you're amid a bunch of other people that aren't doing it, like. You could shoot up to the top, and there's so much opportunity here. I'll tell a quick story from back in my college days on Fourth Avenue, which was the uh, basically the college way where there's all these these bars and such. There was one bar called Maloney's, and on on Friday nights, Maloney's had uh, they had this mechanical bull, a bunch of drunk college kids. Friday nights, they had bikini and boxer bull riding contests where basically what would happen is anyone could join but the uh the hottest people there would come and they'd they'd ride this bull in their bikini and or boxer briefs and then it would just be like oh this guy has abs he's got a lot of charisma he gets the loudest cheer from the crowd and he wins or here's this girl she's the hottest she wins and it was just like the same person kept going up there over and over again basically the same person um who looked like they were at a jersey shore and then they'd get cheered for because they were hot and i was sitting there watching it with a group of my friends one friday i was like we could win this we could absolutely win this and i said we because if you won you just bought your friends shots until it's like you won 200 bucks or something like that so so it took all of like 15 minutes of planning next friday comes around the same queue of people show up to win their 200 bucks and i was there too though and i had a a cowboy vest on a giant goofy foam cowboy hat big aviator sunglasses a pair of rip-off pants i walk up next to this bull they call my name and i'm not a super attractive jersey shore looking guy i'm just kind of very average but i'm just standing there and just standing there with this wwe presence i start to get some claps right i rip off my my rip-off pants and throw them up and they get stuck (laughs) up in the rafters perfectly above my head uh to reveal these shiny silk spongebob boxers right and the whole place just goes crazy i ride the bull it's whatever it was no contest i had girls coming up to me asking if they could take a picture with me later which i was completely tone deaf and didn't realize maybe they were you know there's an opportunity to talk to them here i totally missed that but uh it, it was it was so easy to to beat all these other people all you had to do is a little bit of creativity and entertain the people and you could be in capcom cup and i'm just i'm sad because you know i I don't want to talk negative about any individuals it's fine i just would want to see us do this better and 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 more people do it better so the the message i'm getting for you is we should definitely see tokido out there in silk spongebob that's what i'm hoping for yeah yeah that's you know but this is not lost on me we're not saying this stuff is easy and, and but we are saying it is something you want to look into beyond your skill set in the game. Your image, your marketing that you put out there is an important part of being an esports athlete. You need this aspect to you. Don't ignore it. Don't make it a thing that you don't look into at all. It's a part of, of making this your career. And we're seeing the people who are doing it well shoot the very top uh, of the voting list right now. They're doing a great job of it. And, and there it is. I'm, I'm so happy you highlighted this. It's mm-hmm. an important thing. We're, we're trying to get people leveled up here. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll hopefully next time that this happens, people are much more on the game. Mm-hmm. All right, y'all. On that note, pay special attention to marketing. Buy yourself some Silk SpongeBob boxers and get out there and do it right. And we're going to be back with you guys next week. And we'll see you then. <laughs> Uh, disclaimer, don't wear the silk Spongebob boxers as a regular everyday thing because they are right up like crazy. But they are very good for presentation. 
perfect.